if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Yes, I do need you to push the button, Andrew. Welcome to your morning. It is eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the ninth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thanks for being with us. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk to our friend Jack Windsor from the Ohio Star and from WMFD Television down in Mansfield. He was on the governor again yesterday at the coronavirus briefing. Uh, in Columbus, and we're going to talk to uh, Jack Windsor. Uh, technically, he was doing it virtually, like everybody else's. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk to uh, Jack Windsor about the governor's denial about FEMA camps, because this, of course, has been a big deal. A lot of people have talked about it. I put it on social media as well with the wording of the um, uh, the latest order from the health director, Lance Himes, about uh, taking individuals who cannot properly isolate or self-quarantine if they have uh, either been diagnosed with COVID or have been around people who have COVID uh, into other locations. And uh, the existence of FEMA-style camps has been a big topic for a lot of people. Yesterday, Governor Mike DeWine said it's just an Internet rumor and it's garbage. He said it's literally garbage. We're going to talk about that with Jack Windsor. We are also going to talk... Uh, about the latest numbers in the state of Ohio, how we can possibly still be in any way, shape, or form restricted in our movements, in our work, in our businesses being open, in our travel, and how they can still demand that we strap those diapers to our faces uh, is beyond me when you look at the numbers. The numbers that they don't tell you, not the ones that he does tell you each and every Tuesday and Thursday during his little press briefings. The numbers they don't tell you about hospitalizations being through the floor. The number they don't tell you, numbers they don't tell you about deaths. Also, in terms of numbers uh, and totals going through the floor, they are falling and falling and falling and falling at any attempt whatsoever to spin this as being still a severe threat to overrun our health centers. Remember, that's what we were told way back on March 15th. This was just for 15 days so that we don't overrun the healthcare system. Six months later, here we sit, still in the same emergency mode. It is simply indefensible. And Jack Windsor will talk to us about that. 
Jack asked him about masks in particular, by the way, yesterday. And uh, the question and answer there was very, very illuminating. And we'll talk about that. Then coming up at 1010 this morning, we are going to be talking with uh, Matt Boyle from Breitbart. He is a Washington political editor for, Bre- editor for Breitbart. He has done just a tremendous job in researching every aspect of the fake news in the Atlantic about President Trump that leftists all over America still insist is factual. And if you look at social media, anybody that's for Joe Biden, anybody that is essentially anybody that's a never Trumper, they are all talking about Trump called our military dead losers and suckers and blah, blah, blah. It is painful watching these people try to think and actually come up with cognitive thought and reason is really, really painful. Unless, of course, you're sadistic, and in which case it's hilarious. And I guess I find myself sometimes bouncing between the two thinking it's painful and thinking it's hilarious. But these people have no earthly idea what they're talking about. And uh, one guy, really, you know, a lot of people have been on this, but Matt Boyle has almost single-handedly dismantled the story by getting so many people who were there at the time with President Trump in France uh, to go on the record about what was said and what wasn't said. So really good stuff there, and we'll talk to uh, Matt Boyle coming up at uh, 1010 this morning. So we will have a lot of time for your phone calls at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you here. We're going to talk, as we do often on this program, and particularly of late, about law and order, about crime and punishment. The entire command staff in Rochester, New York, has resigned, including the chief of police and the deputy chief of police. The chief of police is Laron Singletary. He is a black man, and he is just the latest black police chief to be either forced or prodded out of office by city leaders bowing to the rage mobs put out there by BLM, Black Lives Matter, Inc., and by Antifa. Bowing to the rage mobs and not allowing police to do their jobs. This is just the latest example. It's probably just coincidental that so many black police chiefs are being forced from their jobs, like Carmen Best, the chief in Seattle, the chief in Dallas, African-American. All of these police chiefs uh, are leaving and police commanders are leaving their positions. They're, They're retiring or transferring or whatever because they know they just simply cannot do their jobs and they cannot... Uh, properly keep officers safe as they try and struggle to keep the public, the general public safe, because of the conditions they find themselves working in. The Rochester Police Department's entire command staff, this is the New York Post reporting, uh, announced their retirement on Tuesday amid raging protests over the death of Daniel Prude, a black man who was killed while being subdued by city cops while he suffered an apparent breakdown. Chief Laron Singletary, a 20-year veteran of the force, and Deputy Chief Joseph Morbido, who served for 34 years, released statements um, moments before a scheduled briefing with the mayor, whose name is Lovely Warren. Okay, During the meeting, Warren uh, told city council members that the entire Rochester police, de- police department's command staff has announced their retirement. There may be a number of others who decide to leave as well and retire. In other words, police officers are telling the fanatical radicals that want to defund the police or to destroy and abolish the police, you win. We're out. Now let's see how you do on your own. And I have to tell you, 
while I feel for the safety of innocent people in Rochester and in Seattle and Dallas and other places, while I feel for innocent people who are doing nothing to bring upon viol- bring violence upon themselves, I don't blame the officers one bit. Retirements in New York City are up by triple digits in terms of percent, more than 100% in many cases, in other cities as well, more than the retirements they have had in previous years. Retirements and people just quitting the job. Cops don't want to die. Cops know that the anti-cop attitude and atmosphere that has been created in this country by the political left um, is, 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 quite frankly, deadly. They know that when they go out there to try to do good, and then that sometimes, sometimes means being physical and forceful with people to stop other people from being victimized. That is called doing good. I know a lot of people don't want to see it that way. A lot of people don't want to see a police officer or police officers kneeing people to the ground while they hold them in place in order to take them under uh, arrest or having to use uh, batons or having to use tasers or having to use uh, you know punches, quite frankly, and other things to subdue violent suspects. People think, oh, the cops are brutal. No, that is doing good for the public if those individuals are violent and threatening the public. And cops know that when they have no support from their city council, from their mayor, from from command staff in some cases, then they don't want to do that job anymore. And I do not blame them. You're going to drive. They're going to drive cops off of the streets and and good, decent, honest command staff members, chiefs and deputy chiefs and so forth. They're going to drive them off the job. And guess what? They're going to turn around and watch the chaos that ensues behind them as they put in community control officers as opposed to police, as they put in social workers as opposed to uh, detectives. They're going to turn on a watch and they're going to see the society that needs police officers to keep it intact, to keep it safe for everyone. Watch it crumble. And I wouldn't blame them a bit, a bit if they chuckled and smiled as they turned around and walked away. Singletary's a, a Rochester native. He had faced calls to resign from Black Lives Matter, Inc. over his handling of the investigation into Prude's death in March. And he said uh, uh, he, as recently as Sunday he would not step down. But he changed his mind, issuing a statement, talking about his uh, support in that department. In a press release, he blasted the, quote, mischaracterization and politicization of uh, the actions that he took after being informed of Mr. Prude's death. Quote, as a man of integrity, I will not sit idly by while outside entities attempt to destroy my character. The events over the past week are an attempt to destroy my character and integrity. The members of the Rochester Police Department and greater Rochester community know my reputation and know what I stand for. End quote. The deputy chief said in his statement that serving on the force is one of the proudest achievements of my lifetime, end quote. Uh, He also said, quote, I have never regretted that decision to become an officer and the people who I have had the privilege of assisting throughout my service, end quote. But they are no longer going to be the punching bags, the whipping boys for uh, the radical left, the media, and for uh, for, uh, Black Lives Matter. The Prude case, by the way, is one that is still under investigation. Daniel Prude apparently uh, had mental issues and had a breakdown of some sorts. He was violent when the police came to, uh, you know, respond to the call because he was being violent. Uh, when they tried to, 
Uh, when Daniel Pru- when the officers tried to take him under control, he also began spitting on them, which of course is well disgusting to say the least, and potentially dangerous to say the most. Uh, they put a spit hood over his head, and somebody decided to try to characterize that as being, uh, you know, uh, some sort of terribly offensive move. No, it's a pretty standard thing. We don't want people spitting. Put a hood over their head. I don't know. Maybe strap a mask. Everybody's got them. Strap a mask over their face so they can't spit, but you understand. Um, and uh, Daniel Prude died uh, several hours after he was taken uh, uh, and, and, again, restrained by the police officers. Uh, and they said that he was suffocated while he was in custody. Now, again, the investigation is underway, and uh, I have no idea where it's going to turn or how it's going to turn, but I do know this, that in a society like ours in which police officers are... are um, deemed to be guilty by BLM and by the media. They get no due process whatsoever. They are deemed to be guilty of the worst types of crimes with the worst types of motivations with exactly zero, zero evidence of those motivations. Um, They're not sticking around to find out anymore. So command staff is quitting. And again, rank and file officers in big cities all over this country are quitting as well. And I do not blame them one bit. The country is turning from a nation of law and order into a nation of anarchy and chaos. And it's happening because liberal Democrats have deemed it so. It's gotten so bad of late. It's gotten so bad that even Joe Hyden has uh, had to come out of the basement and actually say something. And Joe Biden gave one of the weakest condemnations of Antifa that one could ever imagine, so that now people can say, hey, he condemned Antifa. Oh, my gosh. Did he really? Uh, I'll share that part of the story with you coming up as well. We're talking law and order, and we're talking race in America, including critical race theory, which we discussed yesterday with uh, Peter Kersenow. Tucker Carlson had Peter Kersenow on the program last night as well. They talked more about critical race theory. And the uh, the mandatory trainings being done by government entities and by corporations forcing white people to sit in a room and be told how disgusting they are because they were born white. And that is somehow supposed to bring about racial unity. Talk about that, too, coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Is that the Law & Order theme? Would you believe me if I told you that I've never watched Law & Order? I know it's been like one of the longest-running shows um, in, in TV history. At least I think it is. Uh, it's it's been on for years and years and years and years. It's running in syndication in, on all kinds of different networks. I never watched it. I used to watch Hill Street Blues. You know, a lot of cop shows. I really did. I, I have to go back and think about what they were all called. Uh, I used to watch Blue Bloods. I mean, there's a lot of or Blue Blood. There's a lot of great cop shows, and um, for some reason, I never got into Law and Order. I never saw it from the beginning, and I guess I just never picked up on it after that. Not the SVUs, not the any of the different uh, uh, d- different shows. But 
you know, I guess that makes me kind of uh, a little bit like a, a Democrat. Uh, just don't believe in law and order. Uh, Gary is in Seven Hills on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's bring him up here before the bottom of the hour, and Jack Windsor joins us. Hi, Gary. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. I say, I'd like to talk about the critical race theory that the federal employees have been receiving. I, I yeah. guess the president, the president put a stop to that recently, or at least is going to try to put a stop to it. But he's about yeah. He's going to try to. He's going to try to. He also threatened to defund or to not send federal funds to schools that teach the sixteen nineteen project, which is kind of tied to as we talked with Peter yesterday about uh, critical race theory. It's essentially uh, an attempt to paint America as this irredeemably racist country in which black people are constantly oppressed and white people are the reason for it, and white people need to change everything about themselves in order to uh, to fix the problem. It's uh, and, and you know I don't know if he's going to be able to do it or not, but he has indeed threatened to defund. What I wanted to say is he's about 30 years too late because this sort of thing has been going on for 30 years in the federal government. I used to be employed at NASA's Clinton Research Center, and it started in the early 90s. And over my the next 20 years that I worked there, I had to attend hundreds of hours of diversity training, not just one or two sessions, hundreds of hours. In the early uh, 1990s, NASA was trying to get the space station funded, and the congressman from Cleveland at that time, Lou Stokes, would always vote against it, even though many of his constituents lived in, in uh, lived in, uh, worked at NASA's Glenn Research Center, and Lou would always vote against it. So, um, the the head of NASA at that time replaced the fellow who was uh, the uh, Glenn's Research Center ultimate boss, uh, big boss. And replaced mm-hmm. him with an African American fellow, and and that's when the race, tr- the uh, um, the uh, diversity Mystery. training started. Okay, and, we, and, and it's no exaggeration, Bob. It was hundreds of hours of, of diversity training. So I hope the president's successful. In was it was it for everyone, or did they se- segregate you and white people only had to sit in on these trainings? Everyone took everyone took it. Okay, that's everyone. the difference. That's the difference. It's gotten worse. Did you watch Tucker last night by chance? I, I did, yes. Gary, uh, he talked about exactly what you're talking about at NASA. He talked about NASA, and then he talked about the military, and he had on uh, Chris Rufo, uh, who has been uh, exploring and exposing this critical race theory, mandatory training in the military, and then obviously in go- other government, government entities, including NASA. So uh, you saw it, and it's worse now than it ever was, because now they're only making white people sit in rooms and be told how evil and terrible they are because they were born white, and how terribly dangerous white males are, again, because they were born white, and how they are are responsible for all of the problems and they were and, and they think somehow that telling white people how evil they are simply for being born white is going to somehow bring about racial unity that we're all going to be like oh my gosh i so love uh, uh be, you know being in 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 these areas of diversity now you know that white people and black people are going to start loving one another the only thing this is going to do is create resentment because the bottom the line effort- thank you for the call i'm sorry gary uh, finish your thought go ahead Oh, we lost him. I'm sorry. I, I, th- yeah, I dropped him right at the end. I think we clicked on him. My bad. Gary, uh, I'll just finish my thought then before we get to the bottom of the hour news. White people and black people, in, in a general sense, I believe in this country, the vast majority of them do like each other. We are not a systemically racist country. White people and white America and black America, they do not hate one another. It's the extremists and the radicals. 
that are trying to create the impression that there is a systemically racist country and that in black people are the ones being victimized by white racism. It's the radicals like the BLM movements and the revolutionary communists and the Antifa movements. They're the ones who are trying to foment and they are trying to foster an enmity between whites and blacks. Now, obviously, do we have history in this country of serious racism going back to Jim Crow, going back, obviously, to the days of slavery? Of course. But literally, this country has done more to overturn racist pasts than any other country in the world. No other countries are gone and, and, and cost hundreds of thousands of lives to end a terrible institution like slavery. And the fact that that ended 160 years ago, for crying out loud, uh, ought, ought to say something about where we are today. Whites and blacks do not hate each other the way the left wants you to believe that they do. Because racial division is, is absolutely is exactly what they are hoping for because it helps them it helps them maintain power we'll talk more about that later in the program but for now we'll get the news and we'll come back with jack windsor on am 1420 the answer Okay, 936 we continue on am 1420 the answer thanks so much for being with us yesterday's Ohio coronavirus press briefing by uh, uh, Governor Mike DeWine included this little gem. Hi, Governor. Uh, this question comes from one of our viewers who is a parent. Uh, and it says, quote, the CDC said kids are not getting seriously sick from coronavirus, not passing it to teachers. The White House medical advisor said the same and went on to say kids should not be wearing masks or distancing. These are experts, yet we are putting a lot on our kids to handle tough emotions, educational handicaps, and then making them feel responsible for the health of their teachers and other adults. The state site says cases and hospitalizations peaked about 10 days before the state mask mandate. As a parent, I worry about the health risks of those masks, bacterial and viral infections, but also the emotional consequences. The question, Governor, is why are we putting the health of adults on our kids instead of letting the parents and grandparents take ultimate responsibility, and will our kids ever be without masks in schools. That was the question from uh, Jack Windsor, WMFD Television in Mansfield and the Ohio Star. And Jack Windsor joins us now to talk about the answer. Hi, Jack. Hi, Bob France. Thank you for choosing me this morning. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Jack, the governor's response was, uh, and by the way, did you notice the eye roll uh, when uh, when you were speaking? Uh, <laughs> he, I, I, you know, it, it, I mean, it's just so evident that he cannot stand taking questions from you, and I know that's why he won't submit to a one-on-one interview with you despite requests correct. for the last six months. Uh, but, you know, you, you correctly pointed out what experts have said, including on the White House task force about masking children and about children's uh, uh, infection rate, et cetera, et cetera. And he basically said, well, that's not the experts I listen to. The experts I listen to say everybody should have to wear a mask. That's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, you just, I don't know how you don't throw up your hands, Jack, and say, I can't, how can I, I get anything done with this guy? Go ahead. I do. I do. I throw up my hands a lot. Uh, I'm glad that we're remote now because I don't have to control my emotions as much. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's the case. It was, uh, look, we talked to uh, directors of pediatric hospitals all around the state, and the overwhelming response was kids K-12 through 12 need to be in mass. Well, a couple of things are interesting about that. One, uh, Dr. Bodie, who is 
the director at uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital, was on record with a Columbus news outlet uh, mid to late July saying, you know, uh, kids wearing masks for a long period of time, it's created anxiety, it's created mood problems, and if they're going to wear them, uh, they have to be clean every day, and they can't fiddle with them. And oh, by the way, kids with asthma, I seem to have lost Jack. Did I lose Jack? Oh, there you are. Jack, I apologize. We had some interference there, and I couldn't hear. Maybe the listeners could, but I could not hear part of what you just said. If you could go back, please. All right, and I still cannot hear Jack. Yeah, we're having we're having phone interference. I think it may be just a bad connection at this time. We're going to reconnect. Yeah, I think he just dropped. Uh, let's reconnect with Jack Windsor and get back on to talk about this mask issue. And while we do that, I want to share with you the other audio. So this actually kind of works out in a timely way for us. The other audio from uh, yesterday's press briefing in which Governor Mike DeWine decided that the um, FEMA camps that so many people had reported on in which people are going to be forced into uh, isolation and quarantine by the state if they cannot isolate or quarantine safely in their home with other people around. He called it ridiculous. He called it uh, garbage. He called it a lot of things. Listen. That today, this is comes in the category of uh, crazy, ridiculous Internet rumors, but uh, obviously some people are reading it, so I want to clarify it. Uh, clarify it. Um, I want to up any confusion about the latest non-congregate sheltering order that is getting all of this attention. <clears throat> to understand it, we have to go back to March 13th when President Trump declared a national emergency for coronavirus. Uh, following that, on March 20th, the state of Ohio and FEMA, uh, Trump administration FEMA, entered into an agreement authorizing Ohio to apply for emergency protecting measures, including non-congregate sheltering. In other words, federal government would help us pay for that if that was needed. Uh, On March 31st, uh, President Trump approved a major disaster declaration for Ohio. On that day, the Ohio Department of Health issued an order to comply with the federal government, what they asked us to do, that approved non-congregate sheltering for people who were unable to safely self-quarantine in their place of residence. The question here that Mike DeWine was talking about is whether or not people would be forced into these non-congregate congregate settings uh, if the government decides that where they are is not safe, safe enough isolation. In other words, if they're living with a family member or family members, uh, they cannot uh, safely stay away, stay away from them. Would it be a voluntary situation or would the government mandate that you must leave and go into one of these shelter-type facilities? That's the issue here, and that's one of the things we'll talk to Jack Windsor, and I'm told he is back on the air now uh jack uh we had a little phone drop there sorry about that but we're glad you're back let's stay on the mask question you were just answering and then we'll talk a little bit about the fema question that the governor uh uh addressed yesterday but uh pick back up uh, pick up where you left off perfect can you hear me clearly now Bob? yeah you sound road. good you sound good all right excellent so yes uh the mask issue he essentially said look we've talked to all of these uh pediatric directors all around the state of Ohio who overwhelmingly said K-12 kids need to be masked. But when you look back, Dr. Bodie, who was actually a director at uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital, in mid-March told a Columbus news outlet that kids who have conditions may not be safe for them to have masks. And kids who wear masks for long periods of time, they're experiencing anxiety and mood problems. 
And by the way, if it's going to work, you have to wash them every day and make sure that kids don't fiddle with them. So he comes out and says, you know, it's overwhelming. They need to wear them. That's what all the experts say. But the reality is when you dig under, you know, that rock a little bit, you go, well, okay, well, here's a director. Here's the director in Ohio at probably one of the most prominent children's hospitals saying, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's a little iffy on it. But again, uh, the CDC said what they said. Uh, Dr. Atlas said what he said. But Mike DeWine hears what he hears and takes it as the gospel truth. And uh, that's where we're going to be. Yeah, and that's exactly right. He, he he's going to listen to the experts that he you know that essentially repeat what he wants to be the case. He's he's not going to listen to anybody that challenges his own orthodoxy on this. And so that's important. It, it's it twofold. It's one about the kids and their anxiety and you know potential bacterial and viral things going on uh, because of that masking. But the other part is the kids aren't a threat. And that's what the CDC has said, and that is even what, like you said, the, the White House uh, doctors have said, that the kids are not threats. They are not uh, uh, carrying this disease by any uh, you know type of percentage whatsoever, and they are certainly not transmitting it to adults, especially uh, considering the CDC's statement that it takes uh, 15 minutes. Ten, actually, they say 10 to, to 30, uh, but roughly 15 minutes of sustained close contact for uh, a virus to spread from one, one person to another anyway. And teachers are not spending 15 minutes in the face of young children. All right, so that's that part. Jack, let's dive into the FEMA question. He called it. I don't know how much of it you heard when you were getting back on the line, but he called it. You heard it yesterday live. Uh, he said this is ridiculous. It's a non-story. It's an Internet rumor. What is your understanding of the order that was given by the health director, Lance Himes, with respect to non-congregant uh, isolation of people who cannot isolate safely if they are exposed to the virus or have tested positive for the virus at home? I have a lot to say about this, and some of it's probably visceral, so I will try to keep it simple. My understanding is, uh, I've read the order three times. I had an attorney and a couple of state representatives read the order. And the bottom line is this. There's a difference between what's on the paper and what the intent is. And that's what we heard yesterday. The governor talks about, well, look, our intent is this. And it's ridiculous. It's garbage to think otherwise. Okay, that's fine. But on that document, it indicates that if somebody cannot safely quarantine and isolate at home, then they could be, uh, so not subject to, but they could, one, voluntarily go to uh, a non-congregate shelter. The other reality is, however, that a local health official can make that decision. That is a reality. That's how it's written. And this is, um, you know, this is what I wanted to lean back on yesterday, uh, but my question was, was about masking. But what I wanted to ask the governor is, wait a minute, isn't Lance Himes a lawyer? He's not a doctor. So you have a lawyer who signed off on this, and if there is a gap, why didn't you address it? And if you do this so emphatically, why didn't you say it last Thursday? Why did you make Ohioans wait four or five days? And I don't know about you, Bob, but you know, you're an athlete, I know you're an athlete, you grew up around sports, you had a kid in sports. Leaders, to me, take ultimate authority. I would have liked to have seen him stand up and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I was a little bit vague on the answer. I pushed it off before, and during that period of time, people drew their own conclusions, understandably. My bad. Here's what it really means. But we didn't get that, did we? That people got guilted and chained for drawing conclusions. And the reality is, uh, what he says and what he does hasn't lined up for six months. Why well, can't blame people to read an order and, uh, and, and interpret it literally and then go, well, wait a minute, what if this means X? But that's where we're at. 
Well, you know, that's that's exactly right. He's got a track record of dishonesty here. So when he says it's not our intention to blank, uh, that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It's just that at this moment in time, I don't intend to do that. It doesn't mean we won't do that. So, And what you just said is extraordinarily important. He has a re- track record here of, of going back. He said 15 days. Come on, Ohio, just look. We're going to close down non-essential businesses for 15 days just to make sure we flatten the curve and don't overwhelm the health system. Well, here we are in six months. He also said more than six weeks ago, all we need, look, Ohio, just everybody wear the mask for four to six weeks. If you just do it for four to six weeks, we'll crush this thing and we'll be in the clear. Well, it's been seven weeks and we're still wearing the masks and he has given no indication whatsoever that he's going to lift that mandate. So, you know, he he has not earned, uh, you know, the benefit of the doubt, has he? No, he hasn't. Remember that. We've gone through so much in six months, it's, it's, it's hard to remember everything. But yeah. he did come out at one point and mandate masks. And then the next day, he flipped, remember? And then we go to July, and he, he enacts a statewide mandate, mask mandate again. And kids under 10, it doesn't apply. And the first guidance that they gave schools was, hey, kids in under third grade, they shouldn't be wearing masks. And then he flips that. I mean, it is, and the, the, the bad part is, Bob, the science and the medicine doesn't change. The pressure from whomever or wherever that's what changes and so again yes maybe maybe the intent is to let somebody that's a healthcare worker or a frontline worker who may be exposed to have a place to go if they don't want to infect their home if that's the case again Lance Harms is an attorney write it in the order why why keep it so vague why why allow people to draw the conclusion which is logical that the health director in your community, if they decide that, hey, your kid is sick and you have one bathroom, and you know what, maybe you need to, maybe you need to go over here. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying people have said that that is possible with that order. If you don't want people to draw conclusions, draw a better order. Very well said. We're talking to Jack Windsor, of course, uh, managing editor at the Ohio Star, also a reporter with WMFD Television. Jack, let me pivot real quick because we only have about two, minute, two minutes left to the CDC advisement about parents preparing for sudden sleepover for school children. What's that about? You know, I haven't touched that one. That was part of what got uh, attached to this uh, FEMA sheltering and uh, FEMA camp story. I have not had a chance to dive in, but apparently the CDC has guidance somewhere. Uh, but the, the unbridled truth is I have not looked at all of it. I've heard rumors that um, that guidance indicates here's what you need to do. Send your kid to school with these things in the event that, uh, you know, there is a natural disaster or something that would uh, require them to stay overnight at school. Now, is that related to COVID? I don't know. I haven't had a chance to dig in. I can tell you it's all over, uh, you know, Facebook, but I don't know if that applies to COVID or if it applies to other natural disasters and somebody saw it and just said, well, wait a minute, it does apply here. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. It is all over the place, and it's at uh, OhioStateHouseNews.com as well. Uh, CDC advising parents to prepare for sudden sleepover for school children. It is related to the FEMA shelters that we were talking about, so it is related to uh, COVID-19 as a biological threat, according to the CDC. So we'll talk more about that the next time we get a chance. Jack Windsor, keep up the great work. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. By the way, 
I want to remind everybody, Jack, we're one week away, in fact, uh, from uh, uh, our first webinar with Ohio, or with yeah. uh, Citizens for Free Speech Ohio chapter. We've got a webinar that's coming up uh, in one week, and we're very much looking forward to having uh, uh, having you on to talk about these issues, and you're going to go into much more depth than we're able to do in a 10-minute radio interview. So uh, that's coming up in a week, and we're very excited to have you. Well, I'm excited. Thanks for choosing me. I can't wait to talk about cancel culture. It's an important thing. And thanks for having me this morning, Bob. It certainly is. Thank you, Jack Windsor. I'm going to tell you more about that webinar after this time out right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Sorry about the extended break there, but we're getting screwed over by the federal government. Bottom line, we're getting screwed over by the federal government that doesn't know how to run EAS tests, and I want you to know that it's not on us. Uh, let's go to Therese, who's calling from Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Therese, go ahead. Oh, hi, Bob. I was just wondering why we are not hearing from Trump's new appointee, the medical doctor, Dr. Atlas, because Dr. Rashid... Buttar, the anti-vaccine doctor, said he's a credible and good source. So where is his comments? That's a good question. Um, I was so glad to see President Trump bring Dr. Atlas on board that committee. Um, I, I think there's a messaging problem because Dr. Atlas, as you know, disagrees with a lot of what Dr. Fauci has to say. And true, Dr. Fauci, true. And Dr. Fauci, of course, is the king. I mean, nobody can dispute the word of Dr. Fauci, even though he disputes his own word every other day. He has taken yeah, both sides of every issue. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he has said, you know, it's no big deal to it's a terrible threat to we don't need we can't go to schools to, hey, we need the schools to be open to we should not play sports to, hey, it's OK to have sports. And he we has need been to... on both sides of everything there. <laughs> Dr. Atlas has been consistent about the numbers and about the real threat here. And um, and I think the fact that he contradicts a little bit of what Fauci says is probably why he hasn't been heard from yet. Well, since he's we're been waiting. On, we since need he's to seek the, the truth. And I hope you're going to join us at Crocker Park this Saturday. We're having a Trump rally from 11 till 1. Oh, I did. who's we? It's the um, Republicans' West Shore Party. Oh, all right. I did not know that. Uh, and that is good to know. I, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank, thank you so much for letting me know, Therese. Uh, speaking of Republican gatherings, um, I will be the guest speaker on Thursday, that is tomorrow, uh, at the Avon Avon Lake Republican Club meeting. So Thursday uh, at the Knights of Columbus Hall on Moore Road in Avon. This is Republicans only. This is not a place for liberal Democrats to come. It's not a debate forum. It's a presentation on the election and on 9-11, of course, because this is tomorrow will be the eve of the anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attack. So uh, if you are a Republican in the area and you would like to attend the Avon Avon Lake Republican Club, it will be Thursday, 7 p.m. at the Knights of Columbus. And I very much look forward to speaking there. Speaking of that, I'm going to go back to the end of my conversation with uh, Jack Windsor. I mentioned our webinar. We are having our first webinar for Citizens for Free Speech Ohio chapter. Uh, as you know, I work with Citizens for Free Speech. We talk about this all of the time, and we're the ones who put out the uh, mask card or the uh, the face uh, blah, 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 the face mask cards, the laminated cards that essentially uh, exempt you from wearing face masks when you go into public areas. And um, Jack Windsor is going to be our first guest for our very first webinar. It's coming up Wednesday at 7.30, Wednesday the 16th at 7.30. That's our first first monthly webinar. And I'm just going to tell you directly, you cannot 
watch this unless you are a signed up member of Citizens for Free Speech. So go to citizensforfreespeech.org, citizensforfreespeech.org. This is a nonprofit 501c3 that I support greatly. And I will be hosting that webinar with Jack Windsor. And if you are a member, you uh, have to sign up at citizensforfreespeech.org and, of course, be a resident of Ohio to be able to attend that online webinar. So uh, if you need more information, go to citizensforfreespeech.org. Back after the news.